Hey everybody, I'm Father Sean Kokali, Family Life Office Director of the Diocese of Lincoln. I'm Dino Durando, I direct an office called the Domestic Church and Discipleship in the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. And, uh, and so yesterday I called Dino and I had a question for him about uh, how do we pray well as a family when we can't go to Mass? Because um, we're living in this really weird time, I think, for all of us. And, um, and so we decided to just have a conversation about that and then share it all with you through our social media. And I represent the lady in this conversation. Um, I'm a father of nine children. Um, two of them are adult children, and we just are trying to do the best we can as a family in this crazy time. It definitely brings focus to uh, the reality of family life. Yeah. So, so Dino, how are things going for you guys in terms of uh, the adjustments that you're making or working from home and all of that? Uh, we're doing all right. Uh, we, uh, we are one of those strange families that uh, does home education already. So um, the kids are kind of doing mostly situation normal in a sense, except that they can't, uh, they can't do other activities. So they're a little bit more cooped up than usual. We do live on a farm, so they have space outside that's easy to access. Uh, so it's it's different, but um, they're doing they're doing mostly okay. I think a lot of other families are finding it uh, a little bit more challenging than we are to make the shift. Um, certainly, working from home for me is not a normal thing, um, but uh, we're making it out all right. Uh, some some uh, noise canceling headphones are magic in this situation. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I know a lot of people have asked me because I travel and speak so much. And uh, I don't know, I, I think I'm probably in a more privileged position right now, since uh, a lot of what I'm doing is now on this platform on Zoom. And yesterday I did, um, I did a webinar formation day for a seminary, which went really great. Um, and but it is a different way of being, you know, it's, a, it's different to not offer mass for the public right now. Um, and uh, so some of the things I've been doing is like podcasting my daily homily and just like reading the gospel reading, giving a short homily and leading people in a spiritual communion, um, which is, you know, I'm doing it for the people, but it's also for me in the sense that um, in my own spiritual life, I really, a lot of my spiritual life is about what I preach to myself while I'm saying mass. And so, um, so, so I think there's opportunity there too on my own part for growth and in my own relationship with our Lord and intimacy with him. Um. Yeah. For me, I think that uh, I can imagine for you, the isolation is different. I mean, you're, you're, you, you live as priests um, a little bit more isolation anyway, in general in your life, but um still um we you know i think probably you asked earlier the how we're doing and you know it's like okay well we're doing fine i think everyone wants to kind of say that but the reality is that um we're having some really intense conversations and that uh, i'm hearing out loud from my children in prayer from my wife in prayer when she's speaking out loud in prayer just some real clarity coming to her about wanting to draw closer to the Lord about struggling with trusting about um, dealing with what I think is normal reaction of anxiety and fear and uncertainty. Um, I didn't sleep very well last night because, well, 
there's a lot going on and I just couldn't, I couldn't find enough peace to be at peace throughout the night to sleep well. I think that's probably normal for most of us right now. And so this is a chance for us to just take stock of that, kind of come to grips with it, grieve it a little bit that it's not just going to be normal tomorrow and then turn to the Lord over and over and over again and seek him for comfort and guidance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think grief is a really important word right now. Um, Cause I know that both for priests and laity, um, a lot of the, the emotion word I'm hearing from a lot of people is frustrated um, or maybe angry. And, uh, and I was talking about this with some people yesterday that like frustration and anger usually are just easier to access than grief. Um, and there's a real opportunity just to focus on like, how much do I miss Jesus right now? And, uh, and who do I miss right now? And, and that's really a longing in our heart for communion that should like drive us towards him. Um, but maybe we have to do that in a way we're not used to. Um, because I travel so much. I well, don't. if I can just, interrupt, yeah. if I can just interrupt here, father, I think this is, uh, this is good Friday, but not just for one day. It's not actually yeah. good Friday today, but it is a Friday in Lent and tomorrow is going to feel like a Friday in Lent. Maybe even Sunday is going to feel a little bit like a Friday in Lent. Um, but even like really like Good Friday, just there is that sort of absence of the chance to go to a, a weekday mass. And then on Sunday, we're really going to feel it when we, we can't attend a public mass. Um, it, as laity, it's going to be, a, we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that, um, that, that that loss is an opportunity also to find the Lord, but it's going to be in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what I was about to say too is, uh, like a lot of priests I've talked to, they've, they've expressed a lot of their loneliness right now because they're just not encountering the people they see every single day. Um, you know, you're used to seeing the group of people that are there at mass every single day, interacting with them afterwards, maybe going out for coffee afterwards. And, and those people just aren't there anymore. And, um, but there's also, again, this, this opportunity, I think, for encountering our Lord as we offer mass for the people of God in, in a different way for ourselves. And in the last year I've been saying private mass almost every day. And uh, I was a little concerned about how that was going to affect my spiritual life. But in reality, it's, it's been a time that our Lord has drawn me deeper into communion with him and, and been able to, I've been able to, experience his love for me in a very particular way. And, uh, and I've seen how that's borne fruit in, in the lives of others and, uh, and in the way that we, you know, have the power to intercede for others in in our prayer. Um, and that's really the hope that I have, because I'd imagine the same thing by analogy is, is very active in the lives of families, like families where maybe they're used to going to grandma's house, but they're not going to grandma's house right now. Um, because, you know, we're worried about spreading infection and, um, but there is a real communion that can take place as, as we offer, you know, our time of prayer as a family for grandma, for our aunts, for our uncles, for the people that we're not used to, that we're used to seeing every day that we don't see anymore. 
Yes. <laughs> it's just strange. Yeah. It's like something out of a science fiction movie. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you particularly is that I've been at your house and seen like kind of how you guys pray as a family. Um, and I was really moved by that. And so I was hoping that you would share with, with everyone just kind of like how that goes for you guys and, um, and the, the things that you've, you've been doing that you're continuing to do during this time. Uh, sure. Um, so I think I'm still trying to wrap my brain around exactly what Sunday's going to look like. Um, last Sunday we were, we still had masses available to attend. Um, and so we're looking at how we're going to do it. Um, uh, one of the things I think just, just sort of jump into it. I think most people will probably try to tune into a mass online that's being live streamed. Um, and, um, having done that a couple of times now before Sunday, it's a little bit odd. I mean, it, it's uh, not a thing I do normally. I'm not a housebound person. So watching the mass on online is not a thing I do um, uh, ordinarily. And we found that during uh, the time that we're trying to offer our prayer along with the mass in that way, it's very similar to the experience of a lay person at mass in that we try to say the prayers. Uh, we, um, we adopt the postures to the best of our ability. Um, we, uh, uh, we try to sing like we would at church, um, if possible. Um, I think where we can really though get the best fruits is to kind of be prepared with, um, maybe a printed out sheet or something if everyone doesn't have it memorized of a, an act of spiritual communion. Um, just to be kind of prepared so that during the time when communion is being distributed, you're really kind of ready to be able to say that prayer together as a family out loud um, at that time period. Um, and then I think too, we'll be trying something where we um, really prepare prior to going to mass. Um, we live a little ways from our church, so there's some driving time normally involved. And so I think even before that, we we do pray in the car on the way to mass preparing for mass. Um, and so I think what we'll do is say those prayers that we normally say um, as our way of preparing ourselves. We make, it gives us a chance to make a little um, examination of conscience prior to mass. Um, and then I, I think as a kind of different way of approaching it, um, we'll, we'll read the scripture readings um, prior to mass and spend a little bit of time. Probably it'll look more like a discussion than what our Alexio Divina necessarily looks like. Um, as a family that we do in the evenings, but it might be become that. I don't know. We're just gonna have to see how that works. Um, but I think um, having that chance to kind of pray together as a family. And then if, if someone doesn't have an internet connection or it goes bad or who knows what's going to happen a couple of days, let, let alone a couple of weeks from now, what, maybe we won't, we live in the country, but we won't even have any internet. Um, who knows? Um, then we will do the best we can by reading the scripture readings and offering up petitions and maybe praying to collect prayers. Um, and I think wherever we post this video, it'll be easy to put some links to different things, resources like iBereavery and mm -hmm. other things like that, that, that are easy to use that most people have access to, um, even if they don't have a missile at home to, to be able to find all the readings and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, those are my initial thoughts and maybe you have some clarifications or even some things to add there. No, I think that's really good. Um, one of the things you brought up that I hadn't thought about is, is the natural preparation time as you're driving to the church and going in and maybe arriving early and observing some silence and, and, um, 
And so I, I was thinking about things like, you know, like what does the space look like in your house as you're getting ready to watch the live streamed mass? Um, one of my friends uh, the other day, their kids built like a little altar and they had an iPad on top of the altar where they were live streaming adoration. And, uh, and mom loved that because they actually were quiet during adoration. And, and so, um, so, so like setting aside some space or when I offer home masses, when I visit my brother, um, my nieces love to sort of like set up the space and they put the crucifix and the candles out and they have like their chairs lined up and they have a holy water font and, and they just sort of like created a chapel, chapel atmosphere. And, uh, and I was thinking about how, you know, how valuable or beautiful that could be, you know, as a family's getting ready for their live stream mass, um, to, to, to create the space so that it looks a little bit different and, uh, and it puts everybody in that, in that posture of, okay, we're, we're getting ready to, um, to be with our Lord in a particular way. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, uh, you know, the church has this term, the domestic church, uh, that just means our family life. Uh, but it also denotes the way that the Catholic or Christian family um, really has the opportunity to create a sanctuary for prayer in the home. And often people do that with making a little prayer table, et cetera. You know, we have images um, of, of our Lord crucified or of our, uh, our, our Lord and Our Lady, the new sacred and immaculate hearts, things like that that are very common. And those are great if you have something like that already. If, if a family doesn't have anything like that, um, they may, you know, be able to grab something from somewhere else in their house or whatever. But I think even if it's very simple and very plain, just the act of setting a space for our Lord in your home like that, um, especially even just for like for Sunday mass like this is a great thing to do just to kind of help us focus it. When we, we joined our Bishop's mass that he offered on the feast of St. Joseph, it's actually in the name of our diocese. So he's one of our patrons. So it's always been a significant thing. In fact, I worked in a parish for many years named St. Joseph. Um, and so he's been a kind of, a, I don't know, he's been a special friend in my family for many years now. And so for us to not go to mass on the feast of St. Joseph was really strange. It'd be like going, not going, almost like not going to Easter mass for us, like that kind of like, wait a minute, why would we not, not have, not go and do that? We would set aside our whole day for that if we could. Um, and I found myself in a meeting for work from home, rushing to get to that mass down the hall, so to speak, mm -hmm. and getting there with everyone's gathering. And I was like really proud of my family of kind of getting themselves sort of ready for it. And there's like a big, huge basket of laundry sitting right there in front of everything in front of the TV where we're going to stream it. And so it was sort of like, okay, everybody. So I know that we're going to have to get better. Our sort of practice run on, yeah. on Thursday was, uh, uh, could have been better, could have been better done. Um, but again, I mean, this is just going to be the messiness of our ordinary life where we, we have the mass in this kind of weird way coming into our living room, so to speak, um, in a way that um, is probably a wake up call for us in a certain way. Uh, it's going to take some time, I think, to think and process and meditate what this means, um, because I think it will be opening my own family up to some new dimensions of um, the reality of our home life and also the reality of, of the mass. Just missing the mass is like missing our Lord and then wanting to come back and not take for granted um, our preparation for the mass, not take for granted the gift of the Eucharist and being able to receive the Eucharist, not take for granted, you know, really preparing ourselves well 
Um, and also not take for granted the annoyances of the people in the pews and the distractions. And like, those are actually things that can help draw us closer to our Lord that we should be like, we'll, we'll probably be so much more awake to when God willing, we get to go back um, to church and everything can be normal again. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope that we don't take for granted right now um, this sort of heightened awareness that there are lots of ways that our Lord does enter into our life and opportunities to encounter him in our life. Um, and just kind of the normal everyday things. Um, cause it's an opportunity to practice the presence of God and, and, um, and maybe even like for, for young people to realize that, uh, like our Lord is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the tabernacle and church. And, and he also is present you know, at home in our living room and he's present at home in our bedroom and he's present in the normal everyday interactions that we have. And, um, and so, so one last thing yeah. that, uh, that I hope that you would talk about is um, kind of the way that you do do Lexio Divina as a family when you're doing Lexio Divina as a family. Um, Cause I, I think that's something a lot of families are interested in, but, but it might just seem like it's, it might be too hard or too difficult to do. Or um, so if you just kind of could talk about that a little bit. Sure. I've been sharing with people this, this joy for a, a long time. It, it, it's uh, I think it's a thing that many Catholic families probably have not thought to do. Uh, I think it's that simple. It, it's, it's actually a very simple and easy thing that just takes the commitment to try it out and to fail and like the willingness to fail. Um, I think of actually something that, um, that you, you said uh, earlier today when we were discussing, you know, getting ready to, to talk about maybe doing this video. Um, just like this is a time when it's okay to experiment and, and fail um, with just trying new things out um, in reaching the faithful, right? With the message of the good news. So I think the same is true here for families if you've never done anything like it before. To not be intimidated by the term Lexio Divina just means divine reading. It just means reading scripture together. In fact, with families, and you got a whole different range of kids' ages, maybe if you're if your kids at home, um, it, means, it, it means interruptions. It means, okay, that was a tangential question. Oh, it means that the phone rang. It means like a lot of things happen when you're trying to pray as a family in a home um, that make it not perfect. It's not like on a holy card. Um, it's, it's, I like to just say it's messy, right? Mm -hmm. But it also needs to be uh, allowed to be very simple. So when we read scripture, we, we typically try to do it um, unless we don't get to prayer until way after bedtime because of some weird thing going on in the day. Um, and then we typically would skip it because welcome to real life. We don't try to, I mean, we try not to ever have that happen, but then when it happens, it's like, okay, it's 945 and the seven-year-old is not going to sit and read scripture and think she's going to start crying if we do this for a long time. So let's say a shorter version of prayer and move on. So I think families need to be okay too with like, let's do this, but if it doesn't work out perfectly, we have a different thing we do in the mornings. So we try to do lecture divinity in the evening. It's what we found works for us. You can do it differently in your own home. We uh, usually do it in the context of some other prayers we might be saying and doing. But when we get to that part of scripture of, of doing the scripture reading, and you can just do the scripture reading, simple as that. Um, ask the Holy Spirit for help if you haven't already entered into a sort of uh, a, a prayerful um, attitude. If you're not doing it in the midst of some other prayer, and then um, we typically read uh, either the gospel reading or right now, actually, what we do is we're reading through um, a particular um, a particular letter. So we're in Galatians right now. 
Um, and we just read a short section of it. You don't have to go overkill. Um, you, you read it slowly and carefully. It's helpful if other people in the family who can read have a Bible in front of them as well. Um, doesn't have to all be the same uh, translation. It's, sometimes that's easier, but, and then um, we have a, a moment for, for quiet just to consider it. And then anyone who is interested, they can repeat the line that strikes them. Uh, if they have a question, we let our kids just ask a question. Um, but if they can make a prayer or make a comment, so it, it turns into like a discussion. Sometimes it's a dialogue with our Lord. Um, sometimes it's a, I don't understand this word. Sometimes it's a, um, why does Jesus seem so demanding here? Or I mean, sometimes the kids ask, they ask the funniest questions. Um, so you just let it flow naturally. And then when you feel like it's, everyone's had a chance to, to, to pray in their own way or to ask a question or whatever, um, try not to make your answers too long. You may not know the answer to the question. I don't know. Let's look at that later. And then you move on with your prayer. Try not to be distracted by like a, a, an alleyway that some teenager wants to ask this really heavy question or something. Um, answer it to the best of your ability and then um, just continue to try to stay with prayer. Again, it's going to be something that if you've never done it before, you're going to try it and it's going to maybe be weird the first few times or um, it's going to feel like maybe you'll have the impression of it to yourself even of like, wow, we really are terrible at that or something like that. Don't let yourself be discouraged by your own inner thoughts that can make you a little bit crazy even as a parent. Um, and then uh, just conclude it. Um, you can do it very simply. Uh, everybody say a glory be at the end of that uh, section. Um, you also might have some kind of a phrase you develop. I, I learned this from a, a marriage movement my wife and I are, are in to use a phrase, glory to the Lord. So when someone finishes their part of whatever they're going to say for a prayer, they say glory to the Lord. And then it gets passed. Everybody knows then that's the, and you could have, it doesn't, it's not like a special phrase necessarily. You could have some other phrase that your family used. Um, but anyway, just making that space to encounter the scriptures, share them, pray out loud together as uncomfortable or weird as it is at the beginning when it gets to be a little bit more comfortable. Um, and everybody doesn't have to share. Um, but when it gets a little bit more comfortable, then it, I think that's where you start to see the, the fruit of it because it just becomes like, it's just another thing that we do. And sometimes it's really great. And other times it's kind of like, oh, well, that was kind of flat. Oh, well, prayers like that. Even our own private prayers like that sometimes. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you're going to. Sorry, I get kind of. I love. No, I think it's great. Uh, but I, what I hope you do is that you record yourself doing it sometime in the next few days. And we can kind of put that out as a modeling video. So. But we'll see. All right. Continued. I'm going to give that a try. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> to be continued. Um, and uh, let's see. Anything else that we want to cover today? Uh, I'm curious too, Father. Um, how how is this affect? Um, how is this affecting your own um, your own obligations related to things like like liturgy of the hours, like? Like my family has some very, we're not obligated to do a particular prayer, right? We're obligated to pray, but we have to kind of figure out what's going to fit for us. For for priests, you have a, an obligation and then you have other aspects of your prayer life as well. But like, how is it affecting you in that way? Like, is it, is it, are you finding it easier or finding it harder to, to stick with the, with your liturgy of the hours? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, the liturgy of the hours is always um, like, it's, it's the prayers that we have to pray. Um, they're also the prayers that frame our day. 
And, uh, and there's been times in my priesthood when I'm not very good at praying the hours at the right time of the day. And I'm kind of praying all the hours at the end of the day on a bad day. Um, but, uh, but I, I haven't noticed the real shift in that. Um, but I do think in a more particular way, we pray the liturgy, the hours for our people. And, um, like I know a pastor who, there are certain events when the Liturgy of the Hours obligation is suspended. Like if we all are gathered for mass with the bishop, one of the things is that we're not obligated to pray the breviary. And I know one particular priest who always prays it anyways, because he basically says, um, you know, the minimum I can do for my people is pray the Liturgy of the Hours for them every day. And so he, he wants to do that because it's prayer offered for his people. And, and this is a pastor who I know particularly has a great love for his parish. Um, and so, so I think in this time of, of kind of suspended masses and things that the liturgy, the liturgy of the hours can be really said with more intentionality um, in terms of offering them for the people. And, and especially for people who are lonely, especially for people who are sick, for people who are worried. Um, and, uh, and for the people of the parish that we miss seeing every single day. Um, and, and so, so I, I just think that there's an invitation from our Lord to do that with more fervor. Um, you know, there's two sides to every coin. I think the, the silver lining side of things. And if people really know me, they know I'm not exactly a silver lining guy most of the time. Um, I might be a glasses half empty guy most of the time. Um, but the silver lining side of things is, as I see a lots of pastors doing amazing things and saying, I probably should have been doing this anyways. Um, like probably we should have already had a Facebook page or probably we should have already been streaming our masses um, one of my friends in Texas has spent the last four days organizing his parish into neighborhoods and appointing a captain of each neighborhood. And that person's job is to call everybody in the neighborhood and say, you know, I'm calling on behalf of the pastor. We want you to know that the parish is still here for you. We want you to be plugged in about what we're doing and stay updated about everything. And let us know if you need anything. And, and that's just like living in community and living in discipleship. And it's probably something that we should always do. And, uh, and, and maybe we're just being reminded or there's an opportunity to recognize um, this invitation to deeper communion with each other. And, uh, and so, so I think as applies, you know, as that also applies to our spiritual life that I haven't always been intentional about I'm praying the liturgy of the hours for the people. Um, and, and I've started to be more intentional about that. And also in the kind of loneliness and isolation, you start to notice the words of the Psalms, you know, that are constantly speaking of the Lord as our refuge. The Lord is our stronghold. Um, the Lord being the only one who understands me. Um, you know, cause the Psalms are all, I mean, they're very much like that. Like all of my enemies are against me and the Lord is the only one here for me. Um, and we're all living that in a very real and profound way. And those words just take on deeper meaning and deeper, there's a deeper rootedness in our own hearts 
when, when we recognize them, you know, and, uh, and I, I think our Lord's been purifying the church for a while now, you know, for 2000 years, but particularly in the last few. And, um, and there's an opportunity to grow much closer to him, you know, and just recognize those sentiments that we have. And, um, and my prayer particularly is that that families start to recognize more and take ownership and lean into their identity as a domestic church even more because of, because of the fact that we're, you know, we're alone and we're doing a lot of these things in our home right now. Yeah, we, we've been as a church. Thank you for sharing that, Father. It's so beautiful to hear priests just speak openly about that that truth of their own prayer life and how, how you're connected. Thank you for your prayers for your people and for um, uh, just for sharing that. Uh, we've been through this before. It's the thing I would want to say kind of as we close this, like we should have hope because we've been through this before as a church. Uh, even if our individual right now, um, our historical family hasn't been through this same kind of thing. Um, the church has been through persecutions um, this term domestic church is an old one from the ancient, ancient days of the church. Um, when we didn't always have easy access to the sacraments, when we had, um, uh, sometimes all, all the priests weren't available to, to the people. Um, and we had to wait again for sometimes months or years before there was a rebirth of, of our faith in a particular territory. Um, we've lived under communism in recent history. Catholics have been under martial law for extended periods of time and, and we've gotten through it, right? Um, as long as the Catholic family stays close to one another during times of trial and difficulty, there's nothing that can stop us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church as a whole, but also not against the Catholic family that stays close to our Lord and close to one another. Um, and so I would just, just speak that. I don't mean those to sound like Pollyannish words or anything, but I mean, I think if we look back at our rich history and the many saints that have gone before us, they do show us a path to sanctity in the midst of one of these circumstances because it's not the first time we've done this kind of thing. And it's, I mean, honestly, Father, it's not that bad <laughs> um, compared to things that many Catholics have faced before or even are facing in these times in other parts of the world. There's terrible persecutions going on in lots of places. Um, and so, um, so buck up, folks, and like, Stay close to each other. Give each other a hug. Reach out to your neighbors. It's great to hear a big parish like that organizing neighborhoods. But you you know people in your church. Call them. See how they're doing. You know old people. You know people who struggle with depression uh, or already are isolated for some reason. This is you know an obvious time to go. Hey, I'm like them. Also, I should reach out and um, and just exercise Christian charity, faith, open charity, Father. That's that's the basics. Right. Right. And uh, I was talking to a friend this morning where we basically talked about how like the coronavirus is my new Lenten penance, you know, like just living under this. And uh, our Lord always has a way of rearranging my own Lent. And this is how he's rearranged it this year. Um, so I saw a funny post on Twitter just about that guy said, uh, uh, thank you, Lord. This wasn't I wasn't qu asking for quite this much penance <laughs> for Lent. So exactly there you go all right dino thanks for your time and uh and uh thanks. yeah so we'll post this and hopefully post some resources with it and maybe do it again much love to you i can't wait to hang out with you again sometime in person all right sounds good
And we'll end with uh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The world without end. God bless.